Hello and welcome to the Post to Post podcast. It is podcast number 32 on January 21st, 2018. I have a full page of stuff to talk about. Ooh. And I'm usually I wear some different teams on podcasts and in videos and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, as you guys know, the Montreal Canadiens are my favorite team. So it's not necessarily unusual that I'm here wearing uh, Montreal Canadiens stuff, but I'm wearing it for a reason. Okay. And uh, I, I want to talk about that a little later. So for those who are listening, just picture me in uh, in a red Montreal Canadiens t-shirt that someone gave us and a Montreal Canadiens hat. So. All right. And you're sporting the goat shirt. I have the goat shirt and the USS Kitty Hawk hat. Yes, from Leslie. From Leslie that uh, is very, very sporting. Yeah, he look uh, dashing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, like I said, I have a ton of stuff to talk about. You look like you have a full sheet of paper there to talk about his stuff as well. So mm-hmm. let's just get into it and... Uh, do your scores? Sure. I guess, yeah. Yesterday's results, Philadelphia beat New Jersey 3-1. And uh, King Kincaid uh, came out with a weird stretching uh, injury of some kind during the game. And they put uh, Ken Appleby in goal. But uh, anyway, New Jersey was already behind at that point. They'd, they'd let their three goals in, and that was it. So hopefully Kincaid will be all right. Elsewhere, Buffalo lost 7-1 at home to Dallas. And uh, man, Buffalo's having a tough time. I think they've won two games this month. Is that right? Columbus and I can't remember who else. Wow. Yeah, two games this month. That's it. Wow. Anyway, Dallas uh, just, they did their thing, and all the uh, the usual suspects came and played hockey. Ben, uh, Yanmark, Radulov, they were all on the score sheet in various ways. So uh, Winnipeg and Calgary, you and I watched a little bit of that at the very end. Yes, we did. We saw the shootout, uh, the shootout winner by Blake Wheeler. Mm-hmm. It was uh, 2-1 Winnipeg in that game, and <laughs> I've got to say, I watched the highlights after that, and Paul Romanuk is still afflicted with Danny Gallivan disease. Uh-oh, he's using more sayings? Yeah. This one, he was uh, rapier-like fashion. Oh. Rapier-like. Now, rapier is like a, yeah. it's a sword. It's a little, you know, like almost a fencing thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Danny Gallivan used to use rapier-like on a very measured basis. You think 30, Paul, you 30 think, years ago. You think Paul Romanek goes home at night and rewatches Danny Galvin feeds? I hope it's only that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, he's still at it. Uh, Colorado beat the Rangers 3-1. Colorado beats everyone. This is something else. Nine days. straight. Now, I know you're going to talk streaks later on, but yep. that's nine in a row for Colorado? Mm-hmm. Are you crazy? Nathan McKinnon, 23 goals now. And uh, fantastic. And that was King Henrik that took that loss. That was uh, mm-hmm. the big guy. So uh, Carolina beat Detroit 3-1 in Detroit. Uh, Cam Ward got that win. Crazy. Heck yeah. Yeah. Um, so good for them. Uh, Toronto and Ottawa. We watched quite a bit of that game last night. Yes, we did. That was something else and uh, just very odd. There was a strange, uh, you'll have to help me with the players, but there was a strange set to, as Danny Gallivan would say. <laughs> where uh, one of the Ottawa players just mugged a Toronto player after a pretty pretty bad hit. Oh, uh, yes, yeah, Smith got hit, I think. Yeah, anyway. And uh, Dezingle went after him, maybe? Yeah, or, so... I don't know. Yeah, it was Dezingle, and he got a double minor for roughing. Yeah. So another player had to go in to serve the first two minutes of the double minor, and <laughs> Ottawa ended up scoring a shorthanded goal on that play, and the guy... <laughs> 
in charge of the Ottawa penalty box opened the door as if they'd been scored on, and, and he had to let one of the players out. Yeah, the, the, the Ottawa door. <laughs> he opened the wrong door. They were, it's a shorthanded <laughs> goal, dude. Uh, you work at the rink, right? You, you understand this yeah, part? you know how the game works. Yeah, I remember what you said to me, too, last night when that happened, that uh, perhaps Mr. Melnick was uh, getting second-string oh, people yeah. to work in his rink. But that's not it. They announced a power play goal as well. Yeah, yeah. even the announcer got it wrong. He announced a power play goal when it was actually a shorthanded goal. Yeah, like that was that was like that was the worst part, <laughs> is that they didn't even get, like, they yeah. got two things wrong. They were completely disconnected in that box. Yeah, it's like it's almost like they didn't know who scored. Did you think Toronto scored? Because if <laughs> Toronto had scored, it would have been a power play yeah. goal, and an Ottawa guy would have got out of the box. Yeah, it's anyway. I don't know. I think they need some more talent there, not only on the ice but off the ice too. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> anyway, uh, Boston beat Montreal four one. The score there was a little disproportionate to how the game actually went. Montreal did not win, deserve to win that game, for sure, and they did, did deserve to lose, but I don't think the game was as uh, lopsided as a 4-1 score might no, suggest. No, it was basically a 2-1 game, yeah. the entire game. So. Yeah, so Carey Price, uh, he made some good saves. Rask made some better ones. He did. Yeah. and uh, Carey Price made some good saves. And uh, pa- Pasternak. Pasternak. Uh, the guys in Nessum call him Posternock, even though there's no O's in yeah. his name uh, when it's written down. Now, the uh, we watched on TV en français uh, hier soir, uh, so I don't know what the English guys are calling him, but uh, the French announcer was calling him Pasternak. That's what I call him. Which, but uh, what, what, me too. I mean, I'm no, I'm no angel. I, I Sometimes I just throw random letters in people's names, so <laughs> kind of like Don Cherry, but not as worse. Yeah. Or not as bad, sorry. What do you call Zabenajad? Zabenajad. Okay. What do you call um, De Benedetto? In the NASCAR. I'm not, I'm not okay. even going to try to say that one. <laughs> anyway, Pasternak got two goals, and he's got 20 now for the year. So good for him. I mean, that line is just shut down. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's a, Forget it. I think I read a quote from Pacioretty saying, you know, every time I stepped on the ice, I looked down the other end, and there's, there they were going to make something <laughs> happen, you know. Yes. Uh, Pacioretty actually got Montreal's goal. He's finally found the net. Seven goals in seven games. That's crazy. Anyway, not, uh, not enough, though. Montreal's lost to Boston three <laughs> times in the past week. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. And uh, this, you know, if there was any uncertainty, and I have a little stat later on to describe this, but if there's any uncertainty about Montreal's opportunity to uh, sneak into the playoffs, that is over. Oh, yeah. I mean, we we said it was over three weeks ago. Yeah. It's just continuing to be over. Yeah. It's not mathematically over, but it's over. Yeah, definitely. Florida. And Nashville. Florida actually jumped into a good lead in their game. They were 2-1 after after the first period. But the Nashville Predators ended up winning the game uh, 4-3. And uh, the very first start for Harry Sateri. Never heard of him. In goal for Florida. He was put in for a few minutes in a previous game, but this was his first actual start. And he's a, he's a Finn. And uh, he's, you know, he played quite well, actually. Hmm. He made some nice saves. Alrighty, uh Arizona over St. Louis, 5-2. I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Yeah, Carter Hutton was the uh, was the goal tender of record in that loss uh, for St. Louis. Uh, Anti Ranta, you know, he's getting her done. So um, he's is he? Well, only one. He won the game. <laughs> um, Keller got two assists. He didn't get any goals in that game, but he got two assists, <laughs> and that's interesting because he's from Swansea, Illinois, which is almost a St. Louis suburb. So mm. he was it was a bit of a homecoming for him. Yeah, yeah. He so, probably had some family there and stuff. Oh, maybe. I'm sure he did, yeah. And two assists, that's uh, not bad at all, so good for him. Uh, San Jose beat Pittsburgh 2-1 to one in regulation time, so no Heck extra yeah. point there, yeah. Uh, Casey DeSmith 
was the goalie for Pittsburgh in that game. They're interesting. They're, they're having some troubles. Yeah. Arundel got the win. The Islanders over Chicago 7-3. And uh, that was unexpected to, for me anyway. I don't I don't I don't know how Chicago makes the playoffs now that Crawford is is injured and out. Hmm. Who do they have? Like really, yeah. I I they don't they don't have it. They don't have anyone other than Crawford. Yeah, they had Anton Forsberg in that and then uh, after I think the fifth goal they yeah. pulled him for Jeff Glass. But neither one is really going <laughs> to carry them where they need to go. I um, think uh they're not mathematically eliminated. They're not even that far out. I think they're only 5 points behind Colorado maybe, mm-hmm. but I don't see how they make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They're only five points back. No, it, it's not looking good at all. That's a very strong division in the very Central. Very strong, yeah. And uh, the wild card on the other side is strong too in the Pacific, so it's going to be really tough for Chicago to get mm-hmm. in. Uh, that's the first time the Islanders have won in Chicago in almost nine years. Wow. So uh, something's, something's happening there. Uh, Anders Lee, 27 goals now. Crazy. Tavares, 26. Minnesota beat Tampa Bay. I want to talk a little bit more about that because that was part of Hockey Day Minnesota. Right, yeah, yeah, you have some stuff yeah, to talk so about. Yeah, so I'll there. come back to that in a second. But uh, Edmonton over Vancouver 5-2, and that was a game I didn't see the end of because it was on a little too late for me. I'm getting old. But Jujar Kara got another goal. He's something else. He's got eight now. I think they're on a three-game winning streak. Uh, oh, really? I didn't see that, but uh, I'm not yeah, surprised. Yeah, pretty sure they're on a three-game winning streak. Yeah, so uh, good for Edmonton. Vancouver just is, uh, they're struggling. They're struggling. and uh, Yeah, they're, they're just, I don't know. Yeah, they're pretty well done, I think, as far as uh, postseason goes. Yeah. So anyway, later on, we can circle back to uh, Hockey Day, Minnesota. <clears throat> All right, sounds good. All right. Uh, you mentioned streaks there mm-hmm. with Colorado, up nine. Do you know that that's the longest streak of any team this year? Oh, really? I did not they know t- that. They tied it at eight. And with their win yesterday, they hold the record for this season, nine, nine games in a row. Yeah. Now, who, I don't know what kind of intricacy and what kind of breakdown Las Vegas does for its odds making. You can bet on almost anything. You can bet on a cloudy day in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure someone will offer you an opportunity there, get odds on that. Who would have offered odds that Colorado would ever have more than halfway through the season the best winning streak in the league? Well, I mean, I don't think anyone would have. No. Um, before the season, and even when they play that uh, game in Sweden between Ottawa mm-hmm. and Colorado, Ottawa won both those games. Yeah. Colorado did not did not look good. No. And now look at the two teams. Yeah, yeah really, eh? Yeah, that's, that's Total true. Total opposite. That is true. It's quite amazing, really. Yeah. And I look at the, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself here a little bit, but I look at the Colorado lineup, and I don't see a team on paper that can win nine games in a row. No offense to mm-hmm. all the players on on Colorado uh but I don't know I I think they're just I think they're just in that one of those streaks like just a hot streak I don't think it's I don't think they can keep it up like even no one can keep nine games in a row up but I mean Mm -hmm. even if they lose one and go on another three or four game winning streak I I don't even see that happening Mm -hmm. I just think they're just kind of in the zone right now and they'll they'll come down everyone does look at Tampa Bay they've lost three games in a row now, you've probably followed this closer than I, but uh, who who have Colorado done this against? Are they playing good teams in this nine-game streak? Some of the teams have been pretty good. Well, hmm. yep. well that's good for them. It's it's impressive, yeah. It's 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 amazing. And it's it, I joked a couple of videos ago that it was Nathan McKinnon's back. Shoulders were sore. His, his back was uh, whatever but because yeah. he was carrying the team. But it, he's get, they're getting contributions from, from everyone. It's 
it's pretty fun to see actually mm-hmm. and i'll i'll talk a little bit about my teams later on and it has to do with the shirt but okay i'm getting um, curious now so just to, to head back to the streaks uh colorado has nine like we said nashville has five mm-hmm. boston has three edmonton has three and everyone else has two or two or less if you go over to the losses los angeles has six losses in a row they're out of the playoffs right now. They were once at the top of their division. Mm-hmm. And that's incredible. Tampa Bay, three-game losing streak. Uh, Chicago, two-game losing streak. Detroit, two-game losing streak. And it goes on from there. Uh, whew, some some tough times for L.A. and Tampa. Uh, but Tampa's still the best team in the league. So I don't think three even three losing three games is enough uh, to worry. So I, You wonder about Tampa because they had a pretty bad weekend uh, a couple of weeks ago against Montreal and then Ottawa mm-hmm. like Thursday night Saturday night games and they're still in the they're still in the lead but they're starting to get caught and you know the Boston is just on fire Boston actually has them in sight now and oh yes you know I remember two months ago when Tampa was you know way ahead and I'm sure I said something to the effect that no one's catching them I'm not so sure now with Boston on this tear I I did mention two weeks ago that Boston could catch Tampa, and I said it not really thinking that it w- they would, mm-hmm. but thinking there's a possibility. And look what they are, where they are now. It's it's crazy. I they're only three points I, back. It, it makes me think about the Jack Adams Trophy. Oh yeah. Who who are the top coaches? Do you think that are in the running? Well, Jack Adams. You've got to talk about Gerard Gallant. I, t- for me, it's between Gerard Gallant mm-hmm. and it's just, there's just two people for me, Gerard Gallant and Bruce Cassidy yeah. for Boston. Because when he came in last year and he took over from Julian, changed the system, He they play a lot more offense now than they used to. Mm-hmm. And I think the players, they took a long time to get used to it. And I think they struggled with it last year because Julian was the coach there for like eight years. I mean, they've played in- intense defensive hockey. Mm-hmm. And I think the summer did them good. And I think this is their first f- full year, new year, with the new style, new system, uh, new coach. And uh, I think it really has made the world difference, world of difference for for that team. And I think Bruce Cassidy has to be in the conversation for Jack Adams. Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Interestingly, uh, there was an article in The Athletic uh, yesterday <coughs> where Arpon Basu, who writes oh, mostly right. in the Montreal Beat, uh, he was talking about how Claude Julien has himself to blame for Montreal's defeats by Boston in this last week or so. And I thought the article was going to be about bad coaching on the part of Julien, but it was actually about good coaching on the part of Julien when he was still with Boston because he put together that Marchand Bergeron uh, line yeah. back in 2011 or whenever it was, and he picked Brad Marchand out of his role as an agitator and a bit of a, a ding-dong and decided that he should be up on the, on the first line and, and make him a real offensive player with hands and everything else, and it worked, and it's still working, and it's Julian's fault. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of funny you mention that because... Last night they played Delorier mm-hmm. with Galchenyuk and Drouin on the first line. Yeah, and he fit things. Yeah, I loved it. He I, he he fit. I I, yeah. I don't understand it, but it you know it worked. So, so if he has that same magic uh, <clears throat> and he can bring that more to Montreal, great. Because uh, those are three players that 
that are still going to be around next year. Mm. You know, some won't be. Pacioretty hopefully won't be. Uh, Placanics almost certainly won't be. Certainly not at, the, at a big price anyway. Mm. And uh, that, that line, I, I Nicholas Delorier, I find him a very exciting player to watch. Heck yeah. And I mentioned to you last night, and I think you agreed, even though he's a bigger guy, he has that kind of hunched over stance that uh, like Milan Lucic yeah. has. And uh, he's, he's tenacious. Totally. He yeah. gets 150% every shift. Yeah. It's he, awesome. And he's a hitter. And, and when he's on the ice, the other five skaters on the opposing team are always aware of where <laughs> he is because they don't want to end up on the on the other end of him. Absolutely. And uh, we need more like that. He may not be the most graceful skater, goal scorer, or anything else, but he's he's a bigger version of Brendan Gallagher, and he doesn't fall down a lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just I need to, need to backtrack a little bit to Colorado. Uh, I had a lot of notes here, and I just didn't read half of them. So, sure, sure. Uh, they've only played 45 games. Compared to all the other teams in their division, I think it's... I think they've played the least amount of games. They've got 55 points. Dallas has 48 games played. St. Louis has 49 games played. So Dallas has 58 points. St. Louis has 59 points. Colorado has 55 points. And they've got three games in hand on Dallas. That's right. And four games in hand on St. Louis. That's right. In one, one to two weeks, we could see Colorado in third place in the Central. That is strange. <laughs> but it could happen. It, it really can. could. It yeah. really, really could. And they might even be able to sneak up into second. Yeah. It's ooh, crazy. <clears throat> Who, I'm, I have a little trivia question for you. Oh, boy. Who is the only team in the West with a better goal differential than Colorado? The only team in the West with a better goal differential. Who is? I'll, Colorado has 20, plus 20. I'm going to say, just because of all their firepower, I'm going to guess Dallas. But Winnipeg. Oh, right. Okay. That makes Winni- perfect sense. Winnipeg has tw- uh, they're a plus 27, their goal differential. That much? Wow. Colorado's second with plus 20. It's actually tied with Vegas, who has plus 20 as well. Wow. E- everyone else in the West is below really? plus 20. Yeah. That's, that's uh, Thanks, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, McKinnon has 19 points in his last nine games wow. 19 points in nine games wow that's remarkable you can't say that he's not the biggest reason mm. oh, no. that they're there that's right and i don't think anyone is no. claiming that he's not but no yeah um this is unhockey related but i wanted to put it in here because it's important to us uh when you guys send us packages please say or please put gift on the customs form and put the value at like $10 or something like that. Do not put like retail value for whatever you bought or whatever you're sending. And especially if it's used, uh, because we got a package with some jerseys that someone was sending us uh, that I knew was coming, three jerseys uh, from their personal collection, used jerseys, not new. And uh, we had to pay $75 to accept the package. And uh, that's, uh, that's a lot of money and I, I appreciate the gifts and everything, like, but uh, I'm I'm not interested in, in paying you know seventy five dollars for uh, for for stuff. Uh, I already have so many jerseys; I don't have enough room for for any of them. So please, like number one, don't send me any jerseys. Uh, number two, if you, if you do, even you know just because you want to, please put the value below one hundred dollars. Put it like ten dollars and make sure it says gift. 
uh, because I can't accept any more yeah, packages that have duty like that. that that's I, really unfortunate because someone is trying to do a nice thing. It's not their fault. And they're trying to declare the actual value that they think it is. And yeah. they're trying to fill out the form the way the form wants to be filled out. But uh, the implications of some of those answers when it gets across the border and Canadian uh, Customs and the Postal Service looks at it, if, if, if they look at that package the way it was, and I saw it before you opened it, it looked like you had purchased three jerseys. Yeah, it looked like I bought them. Yeah, from the United States. And, and they're going to automatically look at that value and charge what Canada's government expects to be charged for purchased items. Mm -hmm. But the gifting thing, and it really was a gift in yeah, truth. Yeah, like it's, it's not a lie. No, you didn't buy like it. I'm not telling you put it put it to say that it's a gift just to... Mm -hmm. As a lie, it, 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 yeah, it's a it's a truth. Like there, yeah, it was a gift, a gift, and uh, but it wasn't identified as a gift, and uh, probably you know my counsel would be next time that happens, if it ever should happen again, um, the only other option is to walk away from the parcel and have it go back to the sender. Yeah, I'll have to return. I mean, depending on the customs fee, but uh, I'm if it's any anywhere even close to that, okay. uh, I'm going to have to decline it, unfortunately, and uh, it'll be sent back to you guys. Uh, it's a tough, yeah. it's a tough thing to say, but I can't afford to, yeah. I can't afford to accept packages like that. So, yeah. um, lesson, just, I accepted it because I knew what was in it and I, I, I wanted to make it an example of, <laughs> for so we could talk about it and stuff, but, uh, it's, it's no fault of the person who sent it there. Oh, no. They didn't do it intentionally. It's just, they didn't, they didn't know, I guess. Yeah. So. No, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. So thanks guys. I appreciate, uh, appreciate everything you guys are sending and stuff. I just want to make it, uh, make it a little easier. Uh, rumors. Mm. Are you aware of any rumors going on right now? I'm not really. You don't, you're not big into the rumors? Well, I, not that I shy away from them. Oftentimes, in the second period intermission on Hockey Night in Canada, they'll go around the table and there will be some rumors talked about. Right. But really, last night there wasn't that. Mm. They didn't really talk about that stuff. So that's usually where I get my stuff. And occasionally mm -hmm. I'll look at Spectre's Hockey because he likes to follow uh, rumors around. Mm -hmm. I just didn't happen to do that the last couple of days. <coughs> All right, well, I've got some names for you. All right. Hoffman. Okay. Who is, mm, I don't know if I'd say he's an elite goal scorer, but he's a very talented goal scorer. Mm -hmm. San Jose, Calgary, Vegas, Nashville, and Pittsburgh are all actively looking at Hoffman. Okay. Out of those teams, I'm not exactly sure which he fits best with. I kind of want to say San Jose, but I feel like he'd... I feel like the system isn't really would gel uh, greatly with Hoffman. So I think of all those teams, I think Calgary would be the best actual pick for him. I can see him playing on a line with quite a few guys in Calgary. So mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting to see where he goes if he goes anywhere. Hmm. Next on the list is Jean Gabriel Pajot. Oh yeah, and Pittsburgh is very interested in him. Very very interested. So we'll see. I. It, Ottawa's in a bit of a seller mode right now, so... Yeah, they are. I, I know I have a, a more favorable view of Pajot than you do. You think he's a little streaky. He's inconsistent. Yeah. I just, I don't like inconsistent players. I, I really like what I've seen from him. And I, but I, I must confess, I don't watch a lot of Ottawa games, except when they're playing teams I want to watch. Mm -hmm. I, don't wa I don't watch games to watch Ottawa play hockey. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry. No, I, I understand. <laughs> I just don't. Uh, Vander Kane's next on the list. Oh, yeah. Columbus. Mm -hmm. San Jose. Pittsburgh. Los Angeles. In Vegas, what would Buffalo want? Oh, they want a lot. They yeah. want they want a lot. They want a first round draft pick. They want uh like a top prospect and another player in return for Vanderkane. Mm -hmm. Like it's 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 an, it's a bit insane actually, yeah. but 
Does Does he have any no move or no trade thing? I don't imagine no, he would with it's Buffalo. A, it's, it's open. Yeah, I think it's open. Yeah. Yeah. If I was playing with Buffalo, and if I was any good, and I'm not, of course, but if I was playing with <laughs> Buffalo, I'd have a please move me clause. <laughs> oh, don't say that. Wow. Uh, okay, so I just want to talk about the uh, defenseman points. Oh, okay. Another quiz for you. All right. Who do you think is leading defenseman in points this year? <clears throat> wow. Um, after watching the last week of hockey and seeing quite a, some nice defensive performances, I honestly do not know. It's kind of a weird year. Yeah. We don't really have anyone who's like Brent Burns last year or Doughty or... B.K. Subban or anyone like that really like no going crazy. Subban got a beauty yesterday, mm-hmm. a beauty, a, a one-time slap shot, and it's just mm-hmm. nothing but net. Uh, so I would think he'd be in the ring, in the running somewhere, but he's obviously fourth. he's not. He's fourth, right? Now I did notice, and the uh, the announcer on TVA said en français last night that Zdeno Chera had moved into the lead or a tie for the lead for plus minus. Yeah, plus minus, but definitely not points. Not points. Okay. Go ahead. There's one player with almost 10 more points than any other defenseman. Oh, man. John Klingberg has 46 points for Dallas. Wow. As a defenseman. The next defensive or defenseman who has the most points up to that is Brent Burns with 37. Hmm. So there's almost a 10-point spread between first and second for defenseman That's points. That's crazy. It's amazing. John Carlson has 36 in third. B.K. Subban has 34 in fourth. And uh, Shane Gosherspear has 33 in fifth. Is Klingberg a power play point guy? Yeah, he's on the power play. Yeah, I think, uh, for, well, actually Dallas changes their mind quite a bit, I've noticed. they Sometimes they play that fourth winger on the point, and sometimes they play another defenseman. Hmm. Uh, they kind of switch it up. I think it's a lot of line matching a little bit, depending on who they're playing. But All right. uh, yeah, he gets a lot of power play time. Cool. Um, Cogliano got suspended two games. We talked about this last week in the podcast because it just it had just happened. Mm-hmm. So Cogliano, Cogliano was the current active Ironman in the NHL. He played the most amount of games without missing one due to injury, suspension, whatever. I think it was like 690 games or something like that. He got suspended two games for a hit that he laid, and uh, it's ended his Ironman streak. And he is devastated. Because oh, right? He is devastated. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, he's very upset about it. So. Wow. I'm, I'm upset about it, too, because I didn't think he has no history. And I don't think it like it was a, it was a hit that shouldn't have never happened. Mm-hmm. It was malicious. However, I don't think it deserved two games for someone with no history. Give him a fine. Give him a ten thousand dollar fine. Something like that. He's a first time offender. Uh, I thought two games was excessive. Mm. I don't. The I find the NHL player safety is really inconsistent with their fines and their, like, whatever. And I'll move on to that next because Dustin Brown, who has a lengthy history of dirty hits, dirty plays, and stuff got fined only $10,000 for cross-checking Justin Schultz into the boards while Schultz was on his knees. I don't know if you saw the play. I did not. So Justin Schultz went down on his knees to play the puck or something like that. The puck was gone, and Dustin Brown skated. He took, like, probably two or three strides. He had time to make a decision, and this is my problem. And he cross-checked Schultz while he was on his knees in his face into the boards. And uh, it was intentional. He had time to make a decision. He had time to stop. And he definitely had time to not cross-check him. Like, he's on his knees. It's not like a regular play. He had to bend down and cross-check him in the top of the shoulders. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it was... I was disappointed that this wasn't a sus- an actual suspension based on Dustin Brown's prior history. 
So if this had been anyone else, ten thousand dollars, sure, that that's fine. But mm-hmm. with the history, I don't I don't understand it. There's, there's, the inconsistency here is just driving me crazy. In the same game, Malcolm got fined for spearing Dustin Brown. <laughs> he got fined five thousand dollars. Wow! And it was most definitely a spear. Yeah, right in the toodleberries. Oh no! Yeah, he. Ouch! He and Dustin Brown went down and went to the bench after that. So I guess a little bit of revenge. Maybe that's why they didn't suspend him because he got it in the in the beans. So, mm. anyways. Next on my list is Seattle names, and I read them off to you last night. You did, and I wasn't impressed with almost all of them. Yeah, there there wasn't really any that kind of was kind of stood out and was so far mm. ahead, of, ahead of all the others. I do have my favorite, and I want to read them all. And maybe maybe you're going to do this anyway, but where are these names coming from? Like, you should get the source. Right, so the yeah. Seattle group that is uh, in charge of renovating the Seattle arena uh, the same group that's in, was in charge of placing a bid to the NHL to be potentially become an expansion franchise that the NHL accepted, uh, well, accepted the, the bid to be considered to be <laughs> an NHL franchise in the future. Um, this is the group that, that came up with these names. They submitted them legally to have them trademarked or whatever, copyrighted, so they could uh, use them if they wanted to. And so some of these names are kind of... Not, not really silly, but they're just they're covering all their bases because they don't they don't know what they're going to call the team, so they want to make sure. So they they picked thirteen names, they submitted them, they registered them with the U.S. government or whoever the heck they do that with, and I'm going to go through them and one by one, and I want you to give me your opinion on each one. All right. I already read them to you, I already know what they are, but we okay. didn't really spend a lot of time talking about no. it. So Cougars, Seattle Cougars, how does that sound? Yeah, I'm fifty fifty on that one. Yeah, five out of ten. Uh, see, yeah, it's, that's kind of where uh, it's another cat. Yeah, yeah, another cat. Last thing we need is another cat. But okay. Um, Seattle Eagles. Uh, six out of ten. It makes sense because the Eagles and they're like that's. Yeah, so it's it's a, it's a common creature. Out yeah, there, they're so. Alaska, like they're that's yeah. that's their zone basically all along yeah. that area in Vancouver. There, and there's a lot of them there. there. We even have Eagles here in Prince Edward Island occasionally, yeah. but uh, yeah, they're very prominent there. And uh, the yeah. only thing I don't like about it is that there used to be a team called the St. Louis Eagles, I think. Maybe. Okay, and there's and there's Philadelphia Eagles in football, but uh, that's not hockey. But. Yeah, no, but uh, so I, I I wouldn't like to see that. Seattle Emeralds. Nah. There's a bit of history there. Uh, no, I don't nah, like that. Three that's out better. of ten. Seattle Evergreens. One out of ten. Yeah, I don't like that at all. <laughs> that's terrible. terrible. That's terrible. Uh, Seattle Firebirds. Uh, that's about a seven out of ten. I, I'm not too bad about that. Yeah, one. I like that. you could get some pretty awesome colors and logo mm-hmm. with that. Yeah, like a black and a red or a. Like, Yellow and bread, something. I don't know. It'd be, be, be pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be all right. Um, Seattle Kraken. Uh, mm, three out of ten. See, I don't like it. I really like this one because it's completely outside the box. You're taking a mythical creature. You, there's so much potential there for a, an awesome jersey, a logo. It's just, it's not this cookie cutter name. It's it's creative. I like it a lot. Is it a mythical creature from North America or is it a European I transport? I, I honestly don't know. I think it's... I don't, I don't, I don't uh, really know. I, I don't know. I, like, I know about, you know, there's the Ogopogo monster in Lake Okanagan. There's Loch Ness monster. I never heard of the Kraken. you never heard of the Kraken? Well, I've heard of the Kraken, but I never heard anything about I think the it's Kraken. Like a, I thought it was like a Greek mythical creature or something like that. I don't like know. It doesn't a, sound like a, it sounds like a German word to me. I don't know that it is, but it sounds German. Yeah, I don't know. Um, is, is it, is it in Ponnell Bay out here or is it's it? It's like uh, something, it's like something Poseidon would fight. Okay. Well, anyway, 
we're off topic there a yeah. bit, but uh, uh, okay. I'm not seeing it in a hockey sense. Seattle Rainers. Rainers? No. Thumb, no. Thumbs down for me. And I would guess it would be Rainiers probably, which is uh, after, after Mount Rainier, but oh. no. <laughs> Whatever. Two. Uh, see, that's the problem. It it only makes sense to people who know about that mountain, so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Seattle Renegades? Uh, not so much. Four, four out of ten. I don't like it. Like, I think that could have been the, the Las Vegas name, yeah. so. Yeah. Seattle Sea Lions? Uh, sea Lions are big and fat, and they got mustaches <laughs> and goatees, and, you know, they they make noises. I'd say no. <laughs> okay, because <laughs> they make funny noises. Yeah. Remind me to send you a video later of, of that. It better not be a video of me. No, it's not. <laughs> um, Seattle Seals? I don't like it. I didn't like it when Oakland had it or California. I don't like it now. I don't mind that one. Seattle Sockeyes? Definitely no, not. No, I don't like that at all. A fish. No fish. Please. <laughs> what, a, what? What about a steelhead? That's very popular. No. I don't like fish. <laughs> I like haddock, but I wouldn't want to call my hockey team the, the Halifax Haddocks. <laughs> I'd be alright with that actually That's the only fish I like <laughs> And only with a lot of batter on it Oh jeez No bones um, Seattle Totems um, I'm, I'm not opposed to that A whole lot But I don't like it nearly as much as some of the others So I'd I, say about I, 4 to 10 I like that it pays homage to the history And stuff But uh, it doesn't roll off the tongue I don't and when you mentioned firebirds a while ago, I pictured maybe a bird from the top of a totem pole as, as you know, filling in or feeding into the firebird name, and then you could cover both. I think that would be neat. But uh, the t- just the totems, I, I no. Yeah, it's yeah. A, I don't know. It just doesn't it doesn't sound right. No. But. Okay, the last one, Seattle whales. No. No, I get, there's, there's already the Canucks that has a whale on the, on the uh, on the logo. Yeah. And then the whalers, you can't take you can't take the name whale. What if they come back? There can't be the whales versus the whalers. Well, that's right. And you know, will Greenpeace come along and try to rescue the hockey team if they don't do well? <laughs> oh, anyway. I don't know. Anyway. Okay. Now I want to talk about why I'm wearing this shirt. Okay. And this hat. So obviously it's I'm a Canadians fan. They're my number one team. They're doing crap right now. Mhm. And I get made fun of a little bit for always wearing different teams' jerseys and stuff. Um, but, uh, oh, and that I've been crapping recently on the Canadians. Uh, it's because they deserve to, well, number one, they deserve to be crapped on. And number two, I actually want them to do bad. Like, I don't want them to be this hover team, this hover bubble team outside the playoffs and get, I don't know, a 13th overall pick or something. I actually want them, no, I don't want them to tank. But it's like... I don't want them to tank. I don't want the players to tank. I want the the Mark Bridgman, the GM, and the team in general, the management, to accept that it's not going to happen mm-hmm. and to rebuild. So I want them to rebuild a little bit. So I want them to fall down in the standings. That's my logic. So I don't want them. To, I don't want. I don't want the players to intentionally tank. Just making that's on the record now. Okay. So. I have my favorite team, the Canadians, and even though they're doing crap right now and I want them to lose, it's, I guess technically, I still support them. I still love them. They're my number one team. They're all, they'll probably always be my number one team. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about some of the other teams I have. So there's teams that I I actively like, and there's teams that I don't hate. <laughs> so the teams I actively like is Montreal's number one, and you guys probably already know this, all this stuff anyway. Number two, San Jose. Mm-hmm. Number three is Dallas. Mm-hmm. 
Number four is St. Louis. Dallas and St. Louis are kind of tied. Uh, fifth is Colorado. Right. Colorado used to be my favorite team for like eight years. When I remember. Patrick Waugh left. Gave me fits. And then six, uh, Carolina. Hmm. So those are the teams that I, I would say that I actively like. All the teams after that, I I would be happy if they won. But I wouldn't be like I wouldn't jump up out of my seat or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then there's other teams that I just don't hate that much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, but those six teams right. are really the only teams that I actively like. And I want to go back through all the previous Stanley Cup winners and who they played and if I was happy or not. Because I want to prove a point of how long it's been since I've been happy with the Stanley Cup winner. <laughs> okay. 2017 Penguins. Uh, no, I did not want not them to happy. win. Not happy. 2016, Penguins. No, I was not happy. 2015, Blackhawks. No, I was not happy. 2014, Kings. No, I was not happy. Uh, 2013, Blackhawks. I was happy that they won because they were playing Boston. <laughs> but I wasn't happy because it was the Blackhawks. So I still wasn't happy. <laughs> So you weren't going to be happy either way. That exactly. Yeah. Okay. I didn't even watch that series, I don't think. <laughs> uh, 2012, the Kings. I actually was happy mm-hmm. about that because I think they came in eighth and they were underdog team. I liked that run, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't jump up out of my seat. 2011, Bruins, not happy, mainly because they were playing Vancouver, actually. I, I was I was actually fairly happy. Really? Well, yeah, because that was the... <laughs> And back then, I had much more hate on for Toronto than I do now. Oh, yeah. that's. Oh, 2013 was the year that they... Yeah, 13 was the year they knocked out Toronto. But 2011, they beat Montreal in overtime in Game 7, seven. in, yeah, in, in the, the first run first there. Run, yeah. And so many times, uh, Montreal has lost in the early rounds to the team that eventually goes on and wins the Cup. Carolina in They 06. lost to Carolina in 2006. <laughs> they lost to Tampa Bay. They lost to Boston. They... Oh. Yeah, you know, it's, it's it's kind of a trend. Yeah, and and so it, it actually gives me hope that, you know, Montreal couldn't have been that bad because the team that beat them won the cup. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I take a little bit of value in that. All right. But anyway, that's why. And even teams that don't win the Stanley Cup, Philadelphia did it in 2010. Uh, Rangers did it in 2014. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they got close because they beat Montreal, but they didn't get all the way. But Yeah, Philly was 2012, I think. 2010. Okay. Fine. Guess when they went on the run. Yeah, they had Washington, Pittsburgh, and then Philly beat them. I thought that was 2012. Nope, 2010. I, I, def- I defer to the hockey I, I'm, expert. I'm 110%. Um, I'm 112%. <laughs> no, you're right, I'm sure. Uh, 2010 Blackhawks, they beat Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I was happy about that because the Blackhawks, that was their first Stanley Cup. Yeah, that was nice. So that was nice. Uh, but I wasn't jumping up out of my seat. Mm-hmm. 2009 Penguins, uh, I was okay with that. It was Sidney Crosby's first cup. Mm-hmm. They beat Detroit, who had, was a powerhouse kind yeah, of that at was the time. Nice. Yep. Uh, 2008 Red Wings, no, I was not happy. 2007 Ducks, no, I was not happy because they were playing Ottawa. Mm-hmm. 2006 Hurricanes, no, I was not happy. Oh. I was devastated because they were playing Edmonton. Yeah, Justin Williams almost blinded mm-hmm. Saku Koivu in that series, and uh, Montreal was up two games to zero when that happened. I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Me neither. 2004, 2004 <laughs> uh, Tampa Bay. No, I was not happy because they beat Calgary. 2003, uh, the Devils. No, I was not happy because they beat Anaheim. 2002, the Red Wings. No, I was not happy because they beat Carolina. And the Red Wings were just winning everything then. 2001, the Colorado Avalanche. That was the last time I was like seriously happy that a team won the Stanley Cup. 2001. <laughs> so I've been waiting a very long time 
for one of my teams that I actively cheer for mm-hmm. to win the Stanley Cup. And I know Carolina's in six. I put them on the list. But back when they went to the finals and when they won the Cup, I did not really like Carolina that much no, at all. I didn't either. So it's been a very long time since I've been happy because of a Stanley Cup win. So I, I'm just devastated. Like that's I get I get so crushed when like San Jose when like San Jose lost to Pittsburgh. I was I was devastated. Mm-hmm. And even Nashville last year, ugh, I was I was really really frustrated. I just hope that this year we see a team that hasn't won the Stanley Cup in the last eight years win the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Please, for the love of all things holy. Can we please get a new team to win the Stanley Cup? I don't even care who it is at this point. I just want to see someone new in the Stanley Cup finals and win, actually win it. Mm-hmm. That's all I want. All right. For me, being a, a member of the Montreal uh, fan base, until they're mathematically eliminated, I will continue to cheer for Montreal. I I, um, I was going to ask you the question, when was the last time a team won the Stanley Cup that you were happy about? 1993. And I knew you were going to say that, but I mean... When was the last time a team won the Stanley Cup that you weren't upset about? Or that you actively like watched and were interested in because you, you, you followed them? Well, I liked, I liked Pittsburgh's win in 2009 because of Sidney Crosby, mm-hmm. like you. <clears throat> I liked the Blackhawks' first win in a long time. And I still picture Vince Vaughn in the stands and all the, oh, yeah. the excitement in Chicago when that was all happening. I like that. Yep. I haven't liked very much other than that. But I really, to, to, to find absolute joy when the cup was won, would, it would be 1993. So you've been waiting longer than me. 25 years, and it'll be more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Rangers fans are waiting almost as long. At yes, least sir. fans are now 50 years plus, and, and I feel for them. I really do. Mm. And if Toronto went on an amazing run and, and got their game back, and right now one, they had one win last night, but it's been a pretty bad couple of weeks, um, I would not be upset. And 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, I'd be very upset if Toronto won anything. But I, I'm not now. Wasn't there two championships, uh, the Argonauts and the Toronto FC in mm-hmm. soccer? Mm-hmm. They've both won they've both won their championships recently. Yeah, they have. And the Raptors, Raptors have gone in the playoffs. You know, they haven't won lately, or they haven't ever won the whole thing. No, but... But they get in the playoffs. So, I mm-hmm. don't know. Good time to be a fan in Toronto I think I think it is overall yep. uh, there's there's a lot to be worried about next year is a big thing to be worried about with the seven contracts coming up or mm-hmm. whatever it is and there's not enough money to pay them all and you're gonna have to make some hard choices yep and that's you know this year's is uh, I think this year was the year they needed to really make some big big noise and they might still have a chance to do that the season's mm-hmm. only half over really but uh, it's not looking good like Toronto doesn't I don't see Toronto as the team that can go up against the Capitals or Tampa Bay or Boston in a seven-game series and come out of that with with a win. I, I, I can't see it happening. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I said this in the, the video I did with Andrew this week. Uh, they are huge puck, wa- puck watchers, and I said it in the game last night because on, on that shorthanded goal, oh, there, there was, was three of them in the corner puck yeah, watching. Yeah. And I think I said it like three times, and then the announcer said they were too busy puck watching. I'm like, yeah. yep, I know. And I... I can only say that because, and I said this in the video, I can only say that the Toronto Maple Leafs are a, a puck-watching team because I am a fan of the biggest puck-watching team in the league, the Montreal Canadiens. So yes. I, so I can recognize it very easily. We're experts at puck-watching. Yeah. Zach Smith skated down into the right-hand corner, and all three Leafs were just, they were just, they weren't even going after him. They were just standing there just like, looking. yeah, oh, he's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just flipped the puck out to, to Pyatt, and uh, yeah. boom, 
and that was hilarious. It's crazy. <laughs> and I could just see, like, it's a good thing Toronto came back and won that oh, game. Oh, yes. Because I think Babcock would have been uh, going through a lot of gum. Yeah, and uh, Andrew Pellick would be uploading a video and <laughs> pop a few blood yeah. vessels. It's good. Have you seen his his uh, videos after they lose? I I haven't. It's entertaining because it's, it's so genuine. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's genu- genuinely upset, so he's speaking from the heart. Sure. And uh, it's it's pretty good. You should watch them. <laughs> I should, yeah. I shall. They're still up, probably. So. Oh well, yeah. Hopefully, there won't be too many more to watch. Hopefully, for Andrew. <laughs> All right, well, that's all I got, so. Well, further to your uh, desire for Montreal to do well in the future, and perhaps at the expense of the now, Mm -hmm. I've just gone to uh, moneypuck.com, which is a site, one of many sites, that does statistical predictions based on teams' performance. Okay. Right now, there are five teams out of the 31-team NHL whose percentage chance at becoming the first round draft picker is better than their percentage chance of getting into the playoffs. Okay, this is going to be interesting. All right. Right now, the Arizona uh, Coyotes have a 0% chance of making the playoffs and a 15.6% chance of getting the first pick. Hmm. The Buffalo Sabres are next with a 0.09% chance of getting in the playoffs and a 15.2% chance of getting the first pick. Then it's Vancouver with a 1% playoff chance and an 8.8% first pick chance. Ottawa is next, 1.93% uh, getting in the playoffs and 9.8% chance of getting the first pick. And finally, your Montreal Canadiens have a 7.14% chance of making the playoffs really? and a 7.3% chance of getting the first round pick. Hmm. So... Those are the only five teams that have a better chance of getting the first pick than they do getting into the playoffs. That's interesting. Uh, And the top end of things, uh, for fans of other teams that are actually playing good hockey, the number one playoff chance team, according to moneypuck.com, with 10.6% chance of winning the Stanley Cup, is the Boston Bruins. Really? Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know how they do their stats. There's an explanation, which I did not read, Mm -hmm. because Tampa Bay is actually ahead of Boston in the standings, but they're number two in this list, 9.9%. And then in third is Winnipeg, 8.3% for winning the Cup. And there's a tie for fourth, the Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars at 8.1% of winning the Stanley Cup. Very interesting. Very interesting. So I thought you'd like that. Yeah, I did. Uh, Back to the Hockey Day Minnesota. Uh, As it turned out, and it doesn't always work out this way, because the Minnesota Wild have been a good team, but not an outstanding team. What they do in Minnesota on this very special day once a year is on on the Saturday, Fox Sports North, which is a, a regional Fox sports channel, they broadcast a whole range of games, including high school hockey, college hockey, boys and girls, and ending that night with the NHL game. Cool. And uh, they cover it all very seriously, and it's great. So as we know, the Minnesota Wild beat uh, Tampa mm-hmm. Bay 5-2, but earlier uh, that weekend on the Friday game in a girls game, St. Cloud Icebreakers and the uh, Sartell Sock Rapids. Here we go again. Can't read your own writing. Tied 3-3. And uh, in Saturday play, boys, St. Cloud Cathedral beat St. Cloud as a crosstown rivalry, 8-3. to three. You're fascinated with that lava lamp. I'm, I'm, I'm promise you I'm listening to you. I'm just <laughs> watching the lava lamp. Yeah. In women's play, St. Cloud State 
beat Minnesota Duluth 2-1 in a shootout. And uh, in high school, boys, Moorhead over Centennial 3-2 in overtime. Men's college hockey, Minnesota State uh, versus Mankato. Or Minnesota State University, Mankato, defeated the St. Cloud State Huskies by a score of 8-3. to three. Whoa. So St. Cloud State, well, we follow them a little bit because of Ryan Paling. He did mm. get a, a, an assist in that game. But uh, that all that happened in the St. Cloud area this year. And Saint, they, they pick a different town mm. to host it. So next year it's Bemidji, Minnesota. And in previous years it's been other parts of Minnesota. This has been going on for 10 or 15 years. Hockey Day, Minnesota. And it's day long, even on the Friday now. And it's wall-to-wall hockey, all broadcast on Fox Sports North. Mm. And if you're a hockey fan in Minnesota, you can see it from high school all the way to your NHL team. And I think it's fantastic. When are we going to see a Winter Classic with Dallas versus Minnesota? Come on, Gary. Get her done. <laughs> like, do you not want to see that? Minnesota versus Dallas? I, I'd love the to North see Stars it. The North Stars went to, like, man. I'd love I think, to see I th- like, out of any Winter Classic, I think that has to be at the top. Yeah. Is Gary answering your calls lately? After no, Gary has not. No. He has not picked up in a very long time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the standings, we already talked about the playoff chances, but uh, in the Atlantic Division, just like many of the past several weeks, only the top three teams appear likely to make the playoffs. They are Tampa Bay, Boston, and Toronto. In the Metropolitan Division, all five teams uh, remaining in the top eight for the playoff round will be coming from that division. Washington, the Devils, Columbus, and the Rangers, and Pittsburgh so far, although Philadelphia Flyers actually have a better plus rating in my system than Pittsburgh. They're actually a plus six. They're tied with the Rangers uh, for their performance, overall uh, strength in the standings. And not too far behind are the Islanders in Carolina. They're, uh, they're both plus four you know, in the 50s now with points. Mm. In the Pacific, uh, very strong. Or sorry, Central Division, let's go. A uh, very strong division there. All the teams in the entire division are in the plus range. Nashville, Winnipeg, and St. Louis are the top three. Dallas and, Col- and uh, Colorado are now in playoff spots. And even Minnesota and Chicago are knocking on the door. In the Pacific Division, Vegas is way out in front. They have 64 points now, and they're a plus 19. Uh, they're actually the same plus rating as Tampa because they're mm. one, one point behind, but they have a game in hand. Right. So San Jose Sharks uh, and then Calgary are the top three. And then you've got the Kings and Anaheim that are both knocking on the wild card door. It looks like things are pretty grim for Edmonton, Vancouver, and Arizona, obviously. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for them, yeah. Uh, now, a little quiz for you. Uh-oh. You, you know, just to keep you sharp. Uh, who's still? Who's leading the points this time. Kucherov. Yeah, 61. Next is? Mm. Is it McKinnon? It is. It's really? Two points back, 59. Hmm. Yeah. And Stamkos is not in the top three. Who's next after that? Uh, I think it's Tavares. It is, 57. Yeah. Very good. In goals, uh, leading uh, is? Ovechkin. Ovechkin with 28, but there's a tie for second with 27. Lee. Lee is one. Uh... I don't. I don't think I know the other one. Kucherov. Oh, right, Kucherov. Yeah. Yeah. In plus minus, this is crazy. Uh, Schwartz is still at plus uh, twenty three, <laughs> so, but he's tied for, I guess, fourth place now, with Bergeron, Patrice Bergeron, and the top three, all are tied with plus minus a twenty four, and they are Victor Hedman. Mm. Who's injured? 
Brad Marchand. Okay. And Zdeno Chera. <laughs> so of the top five, three of them are Bruins. Jeez. And that makes sense, you know, because oftentimes yeah. lines will click together. Yeah, totally. On the goaltending side, goals against average. Uh, guess who, now with 15 games, can be talked about as a goalie who's played enough and who's leading the league in goals against? Uh, is it Fleury? It is. Marc-Andre Fleury, 1.72. Mm, I assume so, because mm. of the success. Yeah. Next, after that. Is it Aaron Dell? Adele is uh, fourth now. Uh, I'm not sure. Carter Hutton. Oh, yeah. Despite last night's game, still 1.91. So there's two goalies under two. Yeah, Carter Hutton and Adele will probably be up in both those categories, save percentage and yeah. goal skins. Tuka Rask is third, 2.17, just barely ahead of Dell. Uh, in save percentage, percentage? Flurry. Flurry again, 9.45. Uh, Hutton second. These tr These statistics often will go together. Yeah. But wins is the Vasilevsky is the is the longtime winner of that category mm. so far. Vasilevsky's got twenty seven wins now. Uh, Holtby and Hellebuck are are tied for second place with twenty four apiece. So uh, some milestones were reached in the past week, not necessarily just last night, but in the past week since we were last on the air from the broadcast center. <laughs> uh, Patrick Kane got his eight hundredth point. He did, yeah. Uh, Matt Cullen got his seven hundredth point. Ooh, and that was just last night. Alexander Radulov got his 200th point. <laughs> uh, Derek Engelund got his 100th point. Ryan Getzlaff got his 600th assist. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Ken Hitchcock coached his 1500th game. Holy moly. And Phil Kessel got his 700th point. <laughs> so some pretty lot, good milestones yeah, there. Yeah, lots, lots happened there this week. Yeah. Now, the, uh, the the only other event that I want to touch on, hockey-wise, I do have a little chat about football I want to do before we're done. Sure. Because today's a big football day. Yes, it is. But uh, on the hockey side, earlier this week, or this past week, they uh, raised the 88 into the rafters in Philadelphia. Right, Lindros. And it was a really well-done ceremony. Mm. Usually, you know, being Montreal fans, we know how classy the Montreal Canadiens can make their ceremonies with torches and mm -hmm. fancy displays and all the, the old guard come out. That's great. Philadelphia did a fantastic job. Yeah, they did. They took a big sheet that was all around the score clock at the top, and on that sheet, they used it as a projector screen. And they projected highlights from Lindros's career as a flyer onto that. And then when the pr presentation was over, this was all pregame, the sheet dropped down to the ice, and in the middle, that was hiding behind the sheet the whole time, was Lindros, surrounded by all of the trophies he'd won. So it was really something. Mm, it, was, it was very well done. Yeah. And then they had people come out. Uh, uh, Holmgren did a, a long uh, speech, uh, you know, in welcoming him. Because there's been a lot of political problems with Lindros and the Flyers and Lindros yeah. and the NHL generally. Totally, yeah. You know, there's, and you were only five years old when all this happened. So I thought what I might do is give you a little quick history refresher. Sure. On the career of Eric Lindros mm -hmm. and how it all started. Uh, he was uh, a very outstanding player in the OHL. And I think it was, I don't know if it was the Oshawa Generals or who, who it was he played for, but he was in the OHL. And in the 1991 draft, it was clear he was the number one pick. Mm -hmm. And Quebec had the number one pick. And he made it well known that he was not going to play hockey in Quebec. Now, he didn't actually say the words, but, you know, in a quote that you could play on a tape recorder, but... And his parents had a lot to do with that as well. I think there was a bit of that yeah. as well. So 
there was a lot of toing and froing. A lot of people wondering if Quebec would, uh, ra- rather than draft a number one guy that they might not be able to sign and put in the uniform, uh, would they trade that pick away and get some assets for it? Quebec said, no, we're going to pick him. And they did. Quebec picked Lendros, and he got called up to the uh, stage. Mm-hmm. They gave him the jersey, and he held it in his hand. He did not put it on and would not put it on. He said a few nice things that didn't cause a lot of controversy at the time, but uh, he didn't sign with Quebec uh, in that entire first year. He went back to Major Junior mm-hmm. and played a whole year back in the in the uh, minor league. And then the following draft, the 1992 draft, Quebec finally decided that they were going to trade his rights. And uh, But here's the interesting part. I don't know if you know all this. Quebec actually made deals with two teams. They made a deal with the New York Rangers, and they made a deal with the Philadelphia Flyers at the same time. And the NHL had to actually have an arbitrator come in many days after the draft itself and decide which trade was the real trade. Okay. I think I've heard a little bit about this. All right. So here's what the New York Rangers had arranged to, to offer Quebec for Eric Lindros. Tony Amante, Alex Kovalev, John Van Beesbrook, Doug Waite, the first round pick in the next three years, and $12 million. What? Yeah. Holy. And they told, Quebec told New York they had a deal. But they also had a deal with Philly. The Philly deal was this. They, in exchange for Lindros, they would give up Peter Forsberg, Steve Duchesne, um, Kerry Huff, Huffman. My, I, my, my, it, it made sense when I wrote it. <laughs> of course it did. Mike Ricci, Ron Hextall, Chris Simon, a first-round pick for the next two years, and $15 million. Those first-round picks ended up being Jocelyn Tebow and uh, Baumgartner. Mm. So uh, it turned out that these two deals were made 80 minutes apart, and the arbitrator had to dis- figure out which deal was first and which one was valid. And the criteria they used was when Quebec made the deal, they put that team in charge of contacting Lindros and welcoming him to that team. And that phone call was first made by Philadelphia. They made the call and they welcomed, you know, they called Lindros household or the family. They welcomed Lindros to the team, advised him that the trade had been made and said they couldn't wait to see him. So that call happened first. So I don't understand this. Why why did Quebec make two deals? I don't know. Actually, I think they had they had several different executives working the deals at the same time. Uh, okay. And this is in the days before text messaging. So I think that they just uh, two guys probably both thought they had the authority to make a, a done deal. They okay. both did it uh, right around the same time, and then they had to uh, use a different criteria to decide which deal actually got hmm. made officially and. For the official status of the deal, they chose the phone call as the trigger. Nowadays, that can't happen because of that trade and because of how it all went down and how much of a mess it was. Mm -hmm. There is now a 1-800 number that the NHL has set up for teams to call when they make a trade. So all trades have to be reported to the NHL and gone over quickly to make sure that they're legit, and then they're allowed to announce the trade. And that's all because of this. So ultimately, of course, Philadelphia won that trade or, or won the contest. But did they actually win the trade? 
when you look at it. Oh. They got a fantastic player. They did. Lindros's career was cut a bit short because of his concussions, and because he, he was a very hard charging player, mm-hmm. and and he did abuse you know himself a, a lot in playing hockey with the intensity that he did. I did a little mathematical exercise. I sure. Took, I took the point total of Huffman, Duchesne, Forsberg, Ricci, and Simon, mm-hmm. and I added their uh, playoff and regular season points, and I also uh, looked at Lindros's stats. Mm-hmm. In his career, adding up uh, playoff and regular season points, Lindros scored 922 points. Very impressive for Very. Any, any player. But the other five players, when added together, one of them, of course, being Peter Forsberg, mm-hmm. the total of those players, 3,023 points. And a Stanley Cup for And a Stanley Cup. Them. That's right. Uh, Peter Forsberg, Chris Simon, and Mike Ritchie all won the Cup within a couple of years of that trade. Mm-hmm. Because... Quebec became the Colorado Avalanche, and the rest uh, became history. Exactly, yeah. So I thought that was an interesting uh, story mm, yeah, as, definitely. as to how that all went down. And it was very messy, and it was... One, the good thing about it, though, I, Lindros was portrayed as a greedy guy uh, that was you know, standing up against the league and being difficult to deal with. But up until that point, players were really owned by their teams. Even though they had agents back then, and there was you know, more fairness than there would have been back in the 60s mm-hmm. or before then, it was still not thought of that a player would decide amongst, you know, himself to say, no, I don't think I'm going to sign with you. And it really took some power away from the league and put some power in the hands of players generally. So mm-hmm. in, in the great scheme of things, it was probably a good thing to help balance the power structure in the NHL. But um, it was very tense at the time. An interesting postscript to that. Uh, one of the reasons that was cited by Lindros in in actual public was that he didn't think Quebec had the winning attitude. But undercurrent, non-disclosed or non-talked-about reasons, at least from Lindros's side, was that he didn't want to go to Quebec City because of, of the political situation in Quebec at the time. Right. Or, you know, separatism and yep. and all that. That was a little more active than it is now. Thank goodness. And uh, in, in the interesting postscript is that. About five years ago, he married a francophone gal from Montreal, in Montreal. <laughs> and now he has a couple of kids, and uh, it's great. Hmm. Um, he's, you know, he's uh, still, uh, you know, he's still a big strapping guy. I saw Eric Lindros at the uh, airport lounge in Montreal. Did you? Not knowing that he had any connection with Montreal. And I, the minute I saw him sitting there, and I walked right by him a couple of times on the way to the coffee machine, I almost stopped and just said hi, but he was... You know, people in these lounges, and I used to have the airline status that got me in these lounges too, and I often would see some hockey players, coaches, and some other famous people, and you're there, you're in the lounge because you want to be away from the regular public, and you don't want to be bothered. Right, exactly. I wasn't going to bother Eric Lindros, but a little bit of me said, you know, man, you'll you'll never see him again. You'll never get a chance to meet him. Mm. And I thought to myself at the time, this is probably about five years ago, what the heck is he doing in Montreal of all places? Yeah. I mean, he, because, you know, he was just roundly hated, especially in Quebec City, but among a lot of uh, Francophone Quebecers as well, because they thought that he was, and maybe they th- they rightly thought, that he was um, dissing them, you know, as a culture. Even non-Quebec fans, uh, just NHL fans around the world, really just, mm. that left a really sour taste in their mouth, that it decision. It really so, did. Yeah. It really did. So and he was sitting there all by himself. I, I don't think there was anyone with him. He was just reading a newspaper or just waiting for his airplane, too, to take him to wherever. And uh, he seemed a bit smaller in person than I thought he would be, but he was still a really 
big, you know, a, a very robust man. You know, mm. he was a he was a tough looking dude. But uh, yeah, so cool. Yeah, that's yeah, good. good a story. Little, little anecdote there. Yeah, so, definitely. So before we're done, I guess we're what are we looking at for time? Uh, about an hour and two minutes. Something okay, like that's that. not too bad. Not yeah, as bad not as bad, I thought. Yeah. We talk a little football, and then we'll do the fishbowl. Oh, the fishbowl, right? We forgot well, last week. Well, football. Um, none of my teams. I really only cheer for the Packers, but I, I like a few other teams. Mm-hmm. But no one's really left. But the story of the Minnesota Vikings, heck yeah, is so compelling that how could you know? Unless you're a big fan of Philadelphia or Jacksonville or New England, and there are lots of them out there, if you cheer for anybody else, you gotta like Minnesota's story. Heck yeah, I'm all about Minnesota. They've been to the Super Bowl several times and lost each time. Mm-hmm. They've been to the conference finals and lost, and but and it's the way they've lost. Field goals from a guy who never misses all year that goes just wide when you really need that yeah. field goal at the end of the game. It's just so many bad things have happened. And guess where the Super Bowl is being played this year? Minnesota. Minnesota. That would be one of the, if not, well, in a long time, certainly, maybe ever, team to actually play the Super Bowl yeah. in their home park if they could get to that stage. So wouldn't that be great? I'm trying to th- go back in my mind and think of the last team to do that. I don't know if it's happening. I don't, yeah, I don't. I really don't. I, I don't follow it that closely. I'm sure I the comment section didn't will. Didn't Dallas do it? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, anyways, I don't know. But yeah, for those who don't know or didn't watch our football video on the other channel, uh, Vikings are my favorite team, so. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I the the way they got into the, hmm. the, the NFC <laughs> final <laughs> with that weird... Uh, thing that happened last weekend with the missed tackle and mm. all that that was crazy what time does the game start that game starts uh, it's it's the evening game yeah uh, the minnesota game i think it'll probably get rolling around 7 p.m eastern time okay, or yeah. about eight I o'clock our time eight hour time yeah. yeah and the new england jacksonville game uh, that goes at about 4 p.m our time or, or three o'clock eastern i probably will, won't watch much, yeah. much of that i'll watch a bit of that but if new england gets really far out ahead i'll probably just turn away because mm-hmm. uh you know i new england's won it a lot yeah tom brady's 40 he might not have another chance i don't know but apparently his hand's been bandaged up the last few days and no one's oh. saying what's going on there so that yeah. just could be crazy spy cloak and dagger crap yeah definitely <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh all right yeah want to do the fishbowl yeah i do and are we gonna do two because we missed last week or are we just gonna do uh, one? we'll just do one all right yeah that lava lamp is fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, the, like I said earlier, I was listening to you, but I was watching that. But yeah, yeah. it's very soothing. Yeah. All right. Well, let's roll the intro. Okay. So we have a question here. It is, uh, what is your worst experience on an airplane? Oh my! And this is from. Four four board five 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 element. Yeah, four board five 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 element. Wow. Okay. Well, thankfully, none of my worst experiences on an airplane occurred when I was flying the airplane. You know, uh, so, so none yeah. of them are. I me, guess me flying. I think the question was about, like, as a passenger as on a, a on a on a commercial plane, but you yeah. actually have have an interesting story, I guess. Uh, yeah. You were technically a passenger. I was a passenger. I was, but it f- wasn't a commercial plane. No, it was another. It was actually a, an identical kind of plane to the plane I fly now. Yeah, a Piper Warrior, Warrior Two, and we were. My brother was the pilot, and I was uh, the. I won't even say co-pilot because I didn't have my license then, but I was in the right seat, and he was in the left seat where the pilot usually is. And we had taken off from here in Charlottetown, and we were flying for 
Moncton, New Brunswick. And to do that, Prince Edward Island being an island is surrounded by water. And when you cross over to the mainland, the law says you have to be high enough to glide to land. So usually when you fly from PEI to Moncton, you would want to be at 4,500 feet or 6,500 feet, the way the altitudes are are structured Mm -hmm. for westbound planes. So we were at the proper altitude, thank goodness, and the engine died halfway across, <laughs> right over the water, the engine quit. And we became a glider. So we looked around, uh, we picked a spot, uh, which was a, a what looked like a field, and we called Mayday into the uh, tower in Moncton, as uh, we, they were expecting us. Mm-hmm. So we called a Mayday. We probably gave uh, some people there some shard attacks and... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, uh, at near the, the bottom of the approach to that, we, we glided safely back over the coastline down towards this field, or so we thought. And when we got low enough, uh, my brother noticed that the growth in this, what we thought was a field, was way too high. It was more of a brushy, marshy area than mm. an actual field. It wasn't a plowed field. And, but the roadway was right beside it. So we looked both ways, and he asked me what traffic was looking like, and the road was clear on my side. Then he just pulled the plane over, and uh, we slammed it down onto the, the pavement on the highway and uh, rolled to a stop. And were, you, were you scared? Hell yeah. Yeah? <laughs> absolutely petrified. I was positive I was going to die. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I thought, oh, this is great. I've been married for two weeks. It was 1981. I was married for two weeks, and uh, now I'm going to die. Dang. So uh, well, I was convinced. And when, when we actually landed and I got out of that plane, I was rather happy, mm. but but still had work to do because when we rolled to a stop, there was a bit of a hill in front of us and right. any car coming over that hill at a high speed would not have time to, to stop. So I ran up the road, waving traffic down to slow it down. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we eventually pushed the plane into a guy's driveway and uh, it got repaired the next day. There was a problem with the engine, nothing we did. Didn't he come out and to greet you guys and he's like... He didn't say anything. He just asked you if you wanted a Pepsi or something yeah, like you that. Yeah, you guys want a Pepsi? It looks like you need a Pepsi or something. <laughs> and then he told us that the uh, previous week, the power company was along that road and mm-hmm. had taken down all the wires that were going across the road and replaced them with some other uh, power power so, lines. So if it had happened a week before, it would have had some... Yeah, it would have been probably very yeah. bad, very bad. So that was the, uh, the scariest, most cr- critical type of uh, mm-hmm. experience. But I do have number two. Okay. Which actually involved number one. Okay. Um, we were in a flight from uh, Charlottetown to Toronto. And I was traveling out with some buddies. We were going to a work meeting. And... What year was this? This would be about 2009. Okay. Maybe. And we we're flying to a work meeting. And when the plane landed in Toronto, it had to wait... Uh, because there was a bit of a ground stop. It was in the summertime, but there was winds had shifted and there was a lot of planes that needed to get to the terminal Mm -hmm. and they couldn't get there. So we were held up in this long line of planes that were trying to taxi to the terminal. And I had had a couple of beverages on the plane. Oh. And I was never, ever in such bad uh, straits having Mm -hmm. to go. Yeah. When the plane finally pulled into the terminal, I I managed to uh, not you know, make a scene. But when I got off of that, when I come out of the air bridge and across the terminal <laughs> around gate 133 at Pearson, and I knew where all the washrooms were because I flew through there every week or two. Yeah. And I, I was, I just, that's the fastest I ever ran. <laughs> and I'm a pretty big guy, but I, I was like lightning that day. Mm-hmm. I, I could have, 
I could have left Usain Bolt in my dust <laughs> because I just had to go. So that's that, funny that you mentioned that because that's actually my story. Oh, okay. And you, you were there for it. It was back in 2004 when we flew to Florida, mm-hmm. and we, uh, we were transferring in Cincinnati. But there was a long wait to land in Cincinnati, so we were uh, circling, circling, whatever, yeah. at the airport. Mm-hmm. And I had, to, I had to pee basically just before they turned on the seatbelt sign. And we circled and circled and circled for over an hour and we get off the plane and I went to the bathroom. I've never felt pain like that before in my life. It was probably the most painful thing I've ever felt. Wow. And when I got out of the bathroom, I remember saying like, I can't, I can't go on. Like we have to sit down. Like I, I'm in so much pain that I have to sit. I remember sitting on a bench looking in front of the entrance to the bathroom and you guys waiting for me to be able to walk. That's how much pain I was in. Wow. Yeah, that was that was the worst. I do vaguely remember you having to go, but uh, I didn't know how bad it hurt. Yeah, it was it was bad, but that was probably my worst plane experience. But yeah, so I guess that's uh, that wraps it up. Yeah, that wraps it up. Uh, that's everything for today. Looking thanks for the a, question. Yeah, thanks. Uh, four board five 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 element. <laughs> if you have any questions for the fishbowl, feel free to leave them in the comments, and I'll add them to a fish, and uh, we'll go from there. So thanks, guys, for watching on YouTube. If you are, if you're new, hit the subscribe button. If you like this podcast, hit the like button. If you're listening on iTunes, thank you very much for downloading. Uh, if you could leave us a review, that would be awesome. If you're listening through uh, Google Play Music, uh, thank you very much as well. Uh, we, we appreciate that. And if you're just listening to any podcatcher app or whatever, we, we appreciate that as well. So mm-hmm. thank you guys very much for your time. Hope you guys are having a good week. And uh, we'll see you in the next podcast, podcast number 33. Adios. See ya.